You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Let's go back in time to 1932 as Congress brings you historic footage of the legendary original Celtics with whom all great professional teams are compared. We have now taken over your radio. Richie Guerin is about to show you the most important step in getting past a man. It's the first one. And Oscar will inbound it. The men in green, the Milwaukee Bucks, that's Al Cinder against Bellamy. It has Jordan. Allen shakes free. Gets two! to go in the first quarter for the Cow Palace. Here's Barry. Jordan. Open. Chicago with the lead. Hello, and welcome back to the Over and Back Classic NBA podcast. I am Jason Mann, and with me as usual is Rich Krejci. Rich, we've got some debating to do. Yeah, we do. We do. This is uh, you, you have a running count going. How many podcasts have we had so far in this this series? We have uh, close to forty, right? Yeah, I think it's going to end up being thirty-seven in all. Um, nice. That's yeah. So uh, of the top fifty episodes, uh, going through, you know, including individual player episodes, including our our first shows with uh, Curtis Harris, where we looked at the initial top fifty, and, uh, and then this episode, we'll, we'll have one more after this, where we finally reveal our top fifty. But this one's gonna Let- go ahead. This will be our last one because we're going to get in such heated arguments and I think we're going to have to disband the podcast. So uh, it's been a good run, Jason. Uh, I appreciate it. And I'd like to thank Harvard Proxism for allowing us to, uh, to do this. But uh, yeah, yeah. After, after tonight, it's, it's all over. So I don't even know if we're going to get to that top 50. I, I don't yeah. going to be so angry and so adamant yeah. at our like, number 47 and 48 guys that we're not going to let it down. And it's just going to be all it's over. Gonna, it's going to be sad. It's, you know, <laughs> we had so much, it's bittersweet. It's so much promise to begin this. And now it's just, you know, it's just all falling apart. So I'm, I, I'm very sad now. Well, yeah, well, you know what? Yeah, well, let's, let's actually have discussion and then we can fight a little bit later. So Okay, all right. So, yeah, basically, we agree on 43-ish players right now. We say, yes, these guys are in, um, and we won't reveal them now. We'll reveal them in, on our next episode. But we have slightly seven slots open, and we have 15 players that we that one of us or you know feels should be in or uh, maybe should be in. So, um, 
so we're just going to kind of just, you know, go through what we think ab- yep. about them, you know, against them, uh, what have you. So uh, the first guy in that we have listed here is good old Bob Cousy, uh, who's one, of course, uh, you know, the early pioneers of uh, basketball. Um, you know, probably the most famous player of his day. I mean, you remember when we were kind of talking about um, I, I, it was one of our final our game seven episodes where, yeah. you know, it was like this this highlight reel that was just completely focused on Kuzi to the exclusion of anybody else in the game, any other of the Celtics. And this was, you know, in the early 60s, you know, when they were, of course, you know, had established themselves as the premier team in the NBA. But it was all about Kuzi. Um, you know, he was a, he was an MVP, a 10 time all NBA first team. Um, lots, you know, very strong, I think, fame argument. Um, one of the four players named the 25th, 35th and 50th anniversary teams. Um, and, you know, there's I found an SI article from 56 that um, quotes is saying there's absolute agreement that since the retirement of George Mike and Cousy as pro basketball's greatest attraction has almost single handedly been carrying the league to a prosperity it could never otherwise enjoy. Now, you know, fame, that's a nebulous thing. Um but we, you know, we've talked about fame and influence being important. You know, sure. he's obviously like one of, you know, I, I think he's just such a, such a premier guy on that level that I think it overcomes the fact that some of the the numbers don't look as great for him as they might for a guy that that has his reputation. Yeah, and I think that that's the thing I have with Kuzi here. And and you know, initially I left him off my master, you know, top fifty list or whatever. But I, I told you he's a guy that I can easily sort of be convinced. But I thought he was worth a, a, a you know at least uh, at least another argument or a discussion or whatever. Because when we did our first podcast, I believe with Curtis, we talked about Kuzi, and it was it was kind of a revelation to me at least that he was so that the numbers just weren't there for him. And that, and that's unfortunately a, a, something we have to do with this as well is discuss influence. There's going to be guys coming up here as well who maybe don't have the number argument, but have the influence argument. And that's where you kind of have to go with Kuzi. And, you know, real quickly though, I, I did want to go over his numbers a little bit because I think it is interesting to at least talk about on that, you know, on that level. Sure. And, and, you know, I don't like doing a, And if you follow this entire series, we know, you, you know, we're not big on like all time numbers. Like where does Bob Cousy rank among all time guards? Or, like for me, that that's, you just can't really do that fairly because what Bob Cousy was asked to do in his era is not what, you know, John Wall is asked to do. And like it, it's night and day between those two guys. So I, I don't like necessarily, uh, you, you know, discussing those on the same level but when you look at Kuzi even in his era the stats are just not very good for him and and you know he had some things that were you know on quite good you know into a value replacement player I, I know he ranks out pretty well uh win shares per 48 he ranks out pretty well amongst guards uh you know pre-1980s with a ton of minutes 15,000 minutes here he's you know eighth in win shares per 48 seventh in win shares uh, he gets a little worse, though, if you look at uh, guards with 200 games. So basically what I did is just looked at guards with with over 200 games. And, you know, of course, that's that could be small and that could be, you know, a few little blip seasons from people here and there. But I just kind of wanted to get an idea of how much that changes in terms of, you know, guys who are around forever and guys who are just, you know, around for a few years or had a decent run. And he does, you know, not very well in that. He He's, you know, he's ninth out of 13. Uh, in win shares per 48, and then uh, he's fifth out of five in, in terms of uh, win shares. And this is this is a win share uh, uh, 0.130 win shares per 48, and then win shares over 90 as well. So sure. you know you look at a guy and he's on the bottom of or near the bottom of both of those, and you look okay that you know it's, it is what it is. The shooting is something that really and and this is where I think 
I'll at least let down a little bit is that I understand that that wasn't part of what he was, you know, asked to do. And that's not a part of the thing. You know, we're talking about a completely different era, but he's really, really bad shooter. And even in his era, uh, you know, he's 53rd in effective field goal percentage amongst guards in his era, which is just like it, it's almost kind of shocking for when you when you think about it, you're like, geez, that's that's really historically bad. And then, like I said, I don't like like looking at, you know, you know, or comparing guys across eras or whatever. But I thought this was interesting that Bob Cousy is 647th all time amongst guards in effective field goal. <laughs> percentage so like he, he's one of the like amongst guards he's he's you know you could argue that he's one of the worst shooting guards ever and that's like you, you mean one of yeah one of the worst guards who at shooting i guess yes yeah, so, sorry i shouldn't say shooting guards right. yeah one of the worst shooting yes guards yeah <laughs> all time. And, and obviously there. a lot of that yeah. has to do with the style of play at the time oh, where sorry. you know yeah. just they you know of course the style of play changed a lot when he was playing too i mean you know he he played several years before the shot clock was even there. And then he kind of played this up tempo thing. And, you know, the shooting percentages, I think from the most part, stay kind of consistent for him. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I see what you're saying. I mean, you, you're, you know, I, I did a search and you could, you kind of played off that of, you know, pre 1980 guards with 15,000 or more career minutes. And um, the reason I picked pre 1980 is, you know, because the three point line, I think, changes things a bit. Oh, and certainly. and certainly, you know, there's a lot of difference bet- between the game in 1950, 1980, even in rules. So, you know, it's not like the best comparison ever. But, you know, you look, looking at there are 29 guys that had that qualify on this list. And they that was, a, a you know, a. Um, a above point one um zero zero uh winches for 48 so um you know i guess above average or, or or what have you you know where you start to kind of be considered like oh okay you're you're all right um yeah. and you know he was eighth in win chairs for 48 in that list and and seventh in um win chairs total and so i don't know when you say 200 games like what's what's your do you have a reasoning why like 200 games is where you picked like a baseline no, it was just, yeah, no, to be fair, I didn't really pick, like, for, for no reason, really. I mean, we, we've done doing 100 games for this just to sort of get guys, you know, especially when we're doing all-time guys, just because it sort of weeds them out, sure. uh, you know, guys that have, you know, fluky, you know, one years or whatever. But then, yeah, with 200 games, I thought, you know, add a few more years into there, you know, realistically, you know, two, two and a half, three, you know, somewhere around there. So, no, it, there wasn't any, like, you know, stout reasoning on, on, on why I did exactly 200. So that that was just sort of kind of picked up. Yeah, I mean, order, I, so, yeah. I don't, I mean, you know, and, and I don't know if it but I, I feel like if you got if you're talking about guards with careers that are of a similar length to his or, or you know are a significant enough length where you'd consider them sure. for this kind of list i mean i think he now you know he doesn't compare to you know oscar robertson or jerry west um you, you know th- those guys are just clearly head and shoulders above you know pretty much anybody else here uh you know walt frazier um, you know, Bill Sharman and, and Sam Jones are strong as well. The minutes for them isn't aren't, aren't quite as much, but um, you know, is, but, but clearly, like Jerry and Oscar are like leagues above you know most of the rest of these guys. And then you know, I think Kuzi's kind of right in that next tier. And you know, there's some other guys who you know kind of have at least similar numerical cases, like Calvin Murphy, Larry Costello, who you know even Tony Archibald, who made the original top fifty, but you know was kind of cut off from ours. Um, yeah. And those guys I wouldn't really consider at Kuzi's level. So, uh, you know, it, it is tough. I mean, some of the things that I think strengthen for him is that, you know, he and Oscar Robertson were the only two guards to be named MVP before 1987. So, you know, in, in 30 years in the league, those were the only two guys who were considered good enough to be MVP. Um, and, you know, his ball handling was just incredible for the time. He helped pioneer no-look 
passes and behind the back dribbles. He wasn't the only guy who was doing that, like Bob Davies and, you know, some other guys, you know, were, um, you know, did some innovative ball handling stuff, but he definitely was important in that. He certainly got a lot of the credit yeah, and, and, well, yeah. of really popularizing it and taking it right. to the, you know, a, a next level, elite level at yeah. that point. And, yeah. you know, he's he was a great passer. He led the league in assists for eight straight seasons. We don't have anything like his assist percentage to kind of, you know, be able to have some better context. But that's, you know, that that's still impressive. The, other than John Stockton, no one else has ever done that. Um, he is was credited as, you know, basically the engine that made the Celtics offense go. Auerbach called him as important on offense as Russell was on defense. Now, that's probably overstating things, but, you know, it gives you kind of a sense of what he was thought of as. So, sure. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I just I think he I think he just needs to be on there. And I, I, I completely agree with right. I completely see the the case that, OK, you know, there's some things to look at, like even considering, you know, the standards of his time the shooting was really bad and that's you know that's obviously a problem but i, I think he did enough of the other stuff um where and, and you know incredible amount of team success i think he won sure. you know they they won i believe six championships with him or some somewhere around there um you know with, with him out of their 11 that they won so um and, and you know he was an important player he was an influential player so i you know i i, I would argue he, he was I think of the guys that we have listed, I think he was my, like, I, I kind of prioritized them, and I think he was, like, the number one guy that I would pick out of this list. Yeah, and and I, I will I will allow this to relent. I, I mostly wanted to, to, <laughs> to discuss Kuzi on a little bit more of a level, but he's a guy, and we're going to talk about another guy, you know, a little bit later. Uh, he's one that, you know, the more you think, you just cannot have a top 50 list without Bob Kuzi. You know, in terms of influence, because we said that's going to be something that we're going to talk about, influence, you know, impact on the game, that sort of stuff, you know, popularity, celebrity status, you know, transcendent, you know, name. is something we're going to factor in here, uh, uh, you know, next to just statistics. And when you look at that, stats-wise, I mean, I'm sort of putting down some of the stuff he did, but when you look at it by and large, he, he did... He was very good at the things he was very good at. You, you know what I mean? Like the things you could tell he focused on in terms of assists and that sort of – he was spectacular at it. It's just the shooting wasn't there and that, that sort of stuff wasn't there and you know some of the other stuff wasn't quite there. But when you talk about I, – I don't even think we necessarily need the stats because I think his influence on the game, whether you know people didn't – it doesn't matter what it was. I mean his, his influence, his, his legend status, his celebrity of the game, you know, it, it'd, be, it'd be really ridiculous to have a top 50 list without him. So I, I will allow that to relent. I, I mostly just want to talk about it a little bit because I thought he's an interesting one that I think more people maybe should take a look at and go, oh, geez. Like, you know, I, more, more of my argument maybe is that maybe people put him on a little bit higher of a pedestal than he, he deserves, but he absolutely deserves to be a top 50 player of all time. And that, that, that to me, I, I am perfectly okay with, with – Removing somebody from my list and adding him back on there, so yeah, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I I, I get what you're saying, um, and I think that's reasonable. So, um, next we are going to talk about um, Isaiah Thomas, who I think should be on here. You do not have him on your list, um, and he is um, just go through the sort of the advance, which is kind of the weakness in his case. He's yeah. 138th in win shares. He's not in the top 215 win shares or 48. 101st in box plus plus minus 58th in value over replacement player. So that's kind of the only one where he's in, even in the top 50 league. Um, you know, so another guy where the shooting hurts him, um, he, you know, was, um, you know, he, he, he was, he was actually a, a good scorer and a good assist, um, you know, good passer for his uh, position. You know, he was uh, one of the, um, best scoring point guard probably ever really. And certainly of his time. Um, and, um, 
but I, I don't know. The, the, the advanced stats are, are rough on him. Um, but I do think like, you know, for me, he's a definitely guy where like watching him play, um, like I'm not sure. I'm not saying that necessarily makes him seem better than he was, but it makes him seem better than um, the the stats would indicate. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. When you when you watch highlights or if you watch live games with Isaiah, he seems like a much more important. He seems like a much better. He just seems like a the, the advanced. I mean, I, that's that was shocked me about him, and that's a guy why I sort of put him on this list of guys that I might not vote for because you know when we did the show about him or we discussed him, it was just shocking at how low he was in terms of those advanced stats, and it was you know it was the shooting is really really bad. I mean that 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 really really gets, it. and it's also the high usage percentage as well. I mean he yeah. was just doing a lot of stuff with the ball and wasn't particularly, you know, finishing or, or, or at, at a decent rate, despite taking up a lot of the possessions or whatever, which, you know, and now that's something we sort of value a little bit more than we did in Isaiah's time and that sort of stuff. But it's, to me, it, the thing that most got me with him is that it wasn't like, you know, that he was just out of the top 50 with some of those, which is fine if you're going to be that. I mean, like the, the value of replacement player 58, that, you know, if you're going to be that coupled with, you know, a guy that, I, you know, from the look and the feel and the eye test is, is a guy who, yeah, no, he's, he's an all-time legendary player or whatever. But then you look at the, like the win shares per 48 and he's, you know, he's, you know, two, not in the top 250 and, you know, the win shares total is 138. It, you know, there's just stuff there and he's just not even close to that. And it's, you know, I look at other guys that we have on this list and I go, yeah, you know, Isaiah from, you know, a standpoint of if I walked to some guy in the street and said, hey, is Isaiah Thomas a top 50 player? A lot of people are going to say, yeah, but I mean, when, when we look at this and I think, you know, doing our due diligence and research and 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 looking at more guys, it, it, it's hard to really make a case at Isaiah because there's just so many other guys I think that are just as deserving or or, you know, more deserving than Isaiah. So he's a tough one. I mean, from a initial standpoint, if we had started this list before, I would have said absolutely no doubt, you know, not doing any of the research, not looking at other guys and not, you know, going through the careers and the lives of other guys and looking at their stats and looking at what they did or whatever. But, you know, as I've done this, I've kind of looked at Isaiah and go, yeah, I don't know. Like it's, he's going to be a tough one for me. I, I just, I, I, do, I just don't see it in terms of the, the advanced stats. I, I just don't see it in terms of some of the raw stats. And, you know, other than just being a guy who took up a lot of his possessions, a guy who had a lot of success and a guy who we sort of think, it, it, you know, is a top player. I just I don't know. It, it, he's he's going to be a very interesting one as we get down the line here. Yeah. Um, you know, he had like a five year stretch from like 83 to like 87 where. Like he really was you know, production wise was a premier player. I mean, he yeah. you know, he was a like a you know, 21 and 10 guy for those things. Let, let the, actually set the assist record in league history, which was later broken in 85 with 13.9 um, in a season. So, um, you, you know, we, we just um, was able to, you know, kind of take that role, um, you know, soak up a lot of possessions at a high usage rate, you know, and even had one. Later on, but you know, as his individual numbers kind of slid, his the team success increased, and you know, there's I, I don't think it's just that's necessarily that's what caused it, but there was that that correlation, and they became more of a balanced team. But you know, to me, he was an incredible, like just a, like a really great bad shot maker. Like he could he mm-hmm. could just take you know, um, you know, just the degree of difficulty in the shots that he could take was like really awesome, and. Um, you know, soaking up those possessions, like, I don't know if the Pistons really had, like, a lot of other, really any other, like, great shot creators. Um, you know, obviously they had Vinnie Johnson off the bench and Dumars to a degree, but um, I don't think Bill Ambeer was creating his own shot that much, you know? I mean, they had a lot of guys who could kind of rebound and, you know, and do their own thing. And, you know, you know, I guess Danley, obviously, for a while. But um, I just, I don't know. I, I, I there's not really 
like there's not really a great way to explain it. I don't think, um, at least in the numbers. Um, but I, I don't know. Another thing for me is that, you know, the bad boy Pistons, I mean, other than him, they are not on, you know, no one else is on the top 50 and you have teams like the, you know, the early seventies Knicks and, um, I'm sure there are others that, um, you know, have just have had, you know, the Pistons had just as much success as those teams yet, you know, they, you know, the, the, the Knicks had like four guys in this list. And I just think taking Isaiah off this list would it'd be kind of a disservice to that bad boy Pistons teams, even though, you know, they had a lot of other good players. They were a well-balanced team. Like, I, you know, it, it's hard for me to justify numbers wide. I mean, I don't think Isaiah Thomas is as nearly as strong of a case as, you know, as Clyde Frazier or but I do think. I don't know. I think the skills that he had, I mean, the ball handling that he had, like I said, the, the incredible, you know, shot ability he had, you know, the um, you know, shot creation at his size. I, I do think that those things, you know, were things that, you know, made him pretty great. And I, I think they form an argument, although, you know, the the lack of numbers, you know, even again, you know, if you're comparing, it's one thing to compare at all time, but when you're comparing it to guys who were in, you know, his era, and he doesn't even necessarily stand out that well. You just kind of wonder uh, about that. Yeah, yeah, he, he's, I don't know, what do we What do we do here? Do we put him on the back burner and yeah, let's, discuss let's, him a little bit let's, later? Let's, yeah, I don't know, I don't know if I'm ready to come to a uh, yeah. consensus on him. Quite let's yet, go through some so. of the other guards and kind yeah. of say, like, where we would put him, if we would kind of put him ahead or behind those guys. I think that might be worth a discussion. Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, I, I kind of grouped them together for position and or role just to kind of have that ability to do sort of off the top of our head if we wanted to. So um, next we have Allen Iverson, uh, who we talked about fairly recently on, on the show. Um, yeah. uh, I have him as a maybe. You have him as a yes. Um, and, um, you know, he is uh, 83rd all time in win shares, 210th in win shares for 48, 78th in boxer plus minus and 39th in value replacement player. Um you know, he has some really strong, um, I mean, so just incredible scoring seasons, incredible usage, you know, incredible number of minutes. I mean, he, he took on a heavy burden for his teams, as we talked about before, um, and, you know, did pretty well, obviously. I mean, um, despite, you know, lack of size, despite, you know, the issues that he had, um, but yeah, I think for you, it's more of a, you know, of, of a, significance type thing that kind of sure yeah and, and like a like sort of a relented with koozie there uh, you look at a guy in terms of influence and, and that sort of stuff and and it's not to say that iverson doesn't have some of the numbers as well because i think he has a, a fair amount and and i think the hardware too is impressive for iverson as well you know the one mvp uh three all nba first teams you know three all nba second teams one all you know all nba third team i mean for his era i mean that's a guy who was i mean arguably the best player and and at least and his point you know at his at his time you know was was the face of the nba and i think that's it's an important thing to sort of think about as well in terms of a guy who who was really that top star for the NBA in a, in a period. And it's it's again, it's a for better or for worse period, because, of course, it's it's looked at as sort of a, a dark age of the NBA in a, in a lot of ways where, you know, the, the and, and that's, you know, I'm not necessarily of that mind. But there's a lot of people. I mean, you, you, that's an era that a lot of people sort of, you know, have a lot of dumb narratives about in terms of like the players, you know, dress like and how they play and how they act and all that sort of crap that, that has thankfully kind of gone away a little bit. And, it, you know, it's not fair for the era in general but you know he was the face of that era I mean he was the guy he was you know that sort of influential figure and that all-time legend of that early 2000s NBA and and you know the the hardware and the MVP and all that stuff sort of kind of proves that so for me I, I he's he's an interesting one where 
you know, the numbers are solid. Uh, you know, sixth in win shares, you know, 42nd in win shares per 48, fifth in value over placement player, you know, amongst his era. Uh, some of the overall stuff doesn't really shine all that much, as we mentioned, you know, 83rd only in, in win shares, 210 in win shares per 48. Uh, the longevity isn't quite there because he kind of fell off. But he's a guy, again, where I sort of, I, I don't know, I, it's similar to Kuzi where, you know, in, in not with the overwhelming numbers, but a guy who just seems like such an influential, legendary figure in the game, and a guy who, for whatever it was, you know, a, a three or four year period, was the man. You're, or, or you can even stretch it to five, you know, years. Was just one of the best players in the league, and, and arguably the best player in the league. So it's it's yeah. it's hard, yeah. And and I, you know, I wouldn't argue that he was the best player in the league. I think I would probably take you know Duncan, the Shaq, and all that sort of stuff. But you know, you look at the hardware, you look at how you know people perceived him. He was he was at that level. You know, we talked about a guy like Kuzi where. A lot of the focus was on him. I mean, Allen Iverson in that you know NBA Finals, the focus wasn't on you know Kobe and Shaq trying to win their you know second you know NBA Final in a row. It was oh my God, Allen Iverson's taking this team on his back and trying to do something with them. So yeah, he, he's an interesting one. I he's one that I could definitely be argued down from, but I just think from an influence standpoint and, and a legend standpoint that he probably should be on this list because he you know he has the numbers to at least help out with that case. But I think influence and legend is 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 an overwhelming case for for Iverson. Yeah, uh, you know, um, you know, going back to Isaiah, um, you, one thing I didn't mention for him is he had three All-NBA first teams, so the same number as Iverson. He had t- yeah. two second teams. Um, Iverson had, had another second team and a third team. Um, but, you know, that's close, That's a decently close to kind of a similar number. Sure. Um, I, I kind of listed some of the all-time, the other um, rankings. There's We've been talking about the Bill Simmons pyramid ranking uh the slam magazine top 500 but also um hoopscritic.com did a nice series over the summer their uh, hot 50 you know where they did they uh, had some really interesting people you know kind of rank um some of the players and i thought it would kind of interesting to kind of compare that for isaiah simmons had him 23rd slam had him 19 and hoopscritic had him 21 for iverson simmons had him 37 slam had him 40th hoopscritic had him 38th so any of those are all similar in mind for you know where these kind of, these guys kind of rate would you put Isaiah above Iverson uh, yeah and this was know. actually the toughest one that I had the, these two I mean because I think their cases are actually you know shockingly similar and I think you know the all NBA first teams and a lot of the other stuff we talk about you look at it, they were the two that I was sort of I was on the fence about both of them because I think you know I think Isaiah and you know I just argued him this this last time, but I think he's he's you know obviously a very good candidate. Iverson I, I think is a very good candidate as well. I, I put Iverson above him just based on the influence stuff, but in terms of like strip that out and just talk about player to player, I would take Isaiah over Iverson. So if if you know if that's how we're gonna you know I I would allow that you know because I have Iverson right now, but you know if we wanted to say hey let's you know let's let's not put too much stock in influence and all that sort of stuff, or maybe you can argue that well he wasn't really all that influential. If you want to do that, I would absolutely on a pure basketball level put Isaiah in before I would put uh, Iverson in. But I sort of calculate a lot of that influence and and, and fame and stuff when I made this list as well. So that's why I put Iverson over him. But yeah, I can make from a basketball argument standpoint, I would probably put Isaiah over him. So yeah, I don't know if that helps or hurts, you know, us, you know, making this list, but, but that's, they they were two that I really was looking at for a long time and trying to decide of, okay, you know, one or the other, because I thought their, their cases were very, very similar. Right. And both were the kind of guys who would carry their team on their bank back in certain situations. Um, I, I get the sense that Isaiah, Isaiah probably, made his teammates better a little more than Iverson did. Um, not Iverson's really distributed the ball just because he had the ball so much. Um, so he had, to, he had those assist numbers. Um, but, and 
he did maybe make his teammates better from the respect of just absorbing so much of uh, just taking so much of the burden, uh, especially on offense, uh, really on offense, <laughs> um, that, you know, I guess that helped his teammates in a certain sense. But I, I, I get the sense, you know, he didn't necessarily like share the ball as much as Isaiah did. So, um, yeah, yeah that, that's, that's a tough one for, for me. I mean, I, I think I would kind of lean toward Isaiah. You know, the thing with Iverson's influence, and, and I do think it's important, I think he's, you know, a, a culturally relevant guy and, and changed the shape of the league and all that, but he didn't do much for the popularity of the league. I mean, as you mentioned, right. like, the, the for basically the prime of his career, the popularity of the league was on a downslope. Um, I don't blame him for that, you know, or or really, I don't know if he necessarily had much to do with that. Um so, you know, but that that influence like was more um, like it wasn't quite widespread. It was more like he was really like within an, a, a niche, I mean, yeah. bigger than a niche, but like with it was more like a subgroup of fans. It wasn't necessarily like the, the NBA fandom in general. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, that's that's a tough one. Um, so I, I'll highlight those and go. Yeah, I, we, we, maybe I'll relent. I'll see. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, <laughs> those are two. I mean, they were they were close ones. Yeah, they're, they're going to be ones. I'll uh, they're they're down to the wire <laughs> ones. If, if I'm with you on the influence thing, I think there is something to be said for that. That you know, it, positive negative influence and, and and what we should think about that. As I said, and maybe you know, I'd be willing to to drop that as if if we looked at it from a pure basketball sense of look at okay, you know, in terms of team success, you know, Iver, uh, Iverson had less. Than, than Isaiah, uh, in terms of you know all time greatness, you know you probably put Isaiah over there, and in terms of being a straight basketball player, you'd probably put Isaiah over there. I think I, Iverson's an important part of NBA history in a sense, but I think Isaiah is as well. So if you're willing to do it, or I, I, I'm I'm willing to take Iverson out and put Isaiah. Okay, well maybe maybe, maybe we'd include them both depending on how we feel yes, about everybody yeah, well, else. So let's see, but if it's between those two, I, I would allow that. Okay, so. all right. Well, I appreciate that. So next we are talking about uh, Mono Ginobili. I don't think you're on the Ginobili show, so I, you didn't really get a chance much to talk about him. No, I didn't. But, um, I, I'm leaning no. You are leaning yes. Um, you know, the efficiency is, and, and, and you know, the, the per minute stats are, are really awesome. I mean, he's, he's 20th all time in Winchester 48. He had five top 10 seasons in Winchester 48. He's 13th in Boxer Plus Minus. 41st in value over placement player, 86th in win shares overall, which is still really good. It, it you know, um, obviously he was limited somewhat by injuries and by just having a, you know, just by minute restrictions throughout his career, which probably helped um, boost his ability, but, um, you know, make him obviously less relied upon than other players, um, you know, that. It's, it's kind of my leaning against putting him on this list. I certainly think he's a candidate. Obviously, he was the reason we did a show on him. But um, for me, I don't, I don't think he, he – I think he's just behind like some of the other guys on this list is all that it is. I, I think one of the guys – and I, I don't know if you guys mentioned it on uh, on the podcast you guys did. And I know we mentioned it a little bit when we talked about Sam Jones a long time ago. But those two kind of – they're very similar to me in that sense where you, you get guys that weren't necessarily the franchise player on the teams that had a lot of success or whatever. But you look at you know when they were in there, when they – played minutes i mean they're, they're crazy crazy efficiency him and sam jones what's your sta- what's your status on sam jones maybe before we get into a little bit more of manu yeah i mean sam jones is yes to me and i agree that they're similar i think the thing that boosts for me is that jones is i mean just the celtics were a more accomplished team than the spurs i mean the spurs are a great team obviously a fantastic team but jones was on you know 10 of those 11 championship teams um and it was a really pivotal role on the back end of you know of those championships um 
and you know he they do have similar numbers in terms of like um you know they, they were more stronger per minute than overall but Jones still had five seasons where he was in the top 10 in win shares um and and, and, well, and so did Manu well no but no Manu's were win shares oh, wait, which, oh sorry, sorry, yes, Jones was correct, yeah. was overall win share so I, I yeah, think yeah. he was still producing at a high level in term you know of overall value not just per minute value I mean he was doing both I mean Manu was doing both too but obviously to a lesser extent yeah um and it's definitely a. He, I, I, I guess yeah. I, I guess I think Jones was just a a more impactful player for his era. Although you know Manu is you know we talked. About I mean, you look at value over place and player and win shares per forty. I mean, Manu it, he's fifth. Uh, you know, Chris Paul, Kobe Bryant, Dwayne Wade, and Jason Kidd yeah, were all shoes. That's true. Or, uh, no doubt shoe-ins. And then third in win shares per forty eight, which is Chris Paul and, and, and James Harden of his era. I mean, that's uh, that's pretty it's pretty good company. That's pretty I mean, good. That's, yeah. And that's that's where I just can't I it, I you know I rep and again and that could be an efficiency thing versus an overall thing and and sort of how do we rank that amongst you know a top fifty do we do we value that as much because yeah longevity in, in terms of you know how you know how much he's in the game you know how how much he's doing as as sort of a a, a great six man and all that sort of stuff but I you know. I value a lot of what you do when you're in the game, and and it's not a guy who I think wasn't in the game for any reason related to his his you know what he could accomplish. I think he was in the game a lot of ways to sort of a, a, as a, a you know a strategic piece uh, of being a six man or being a guy that would sort of have you know consistent minutes at certain points and you know sit out for long periods and then come back you know at the fourth quarter and, and be a big part of you know the, the closing out the game or whatever. So I don't know. I mean, when you look at a lot of this stuff, I mean, the, the, the arguments for him. I mean, a lot of it is you know that the value replacement player. We, he's fantastic. I mentioned he's top five in his era, uh, third in his era win shares per forty eight. Uh, you mentioned this little stuff about Sam Jones, you know, all time, you know, man, you know, five times in the top 10 uh, for win shares per 48, four times in the top 10 uh, value replacement player in his era. Um, you know, 20th in win shares per 48 all time, 13th in box score plus minus all time, uh, you know, 41st in value replacement player all time. So we talk about a guy who, yeah, he wasn't, you know, in all the time and wasn't playing to, to accumulate a lot of the, the other minutes. But as a guy who, when he was in, was just crazy efficient, it was a part of, you know, three championship teams in an era where, you know, yeah, it, it's cool that Sam Schultz, you know, was 10 of 11, but I, I, I tend to think it's a little bit tougher to win a championship now than it was, you know, in that era. Yeah, so. I, I mean, it is, but I do think we have to sort of, like, consider the accomplishment in, in its own era. I mean, you, you know, I mean, obviously, Sam Jones didn't play the, um, the I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I agree that obviously the Celtics would not have won all those championships in a row if they'd played under the same conditions that uh, Ginobili uh, uh, played in. Um, yeah, uh, you know, um, yeah, I mean, I, um, the difference, you know, Sam Jones had three, uh, was on the second team All-NBA three times. So similar to what Manu's two appearances on the third team. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, um, you know, yeah, I would lean towards Sam Jones uh, still a little bit ahead of Manu. It's obviously a close argument. I do think that, um, you know, b- both kind of had similar roles and were in similar context with, you know, being this with this group of great players and, you know, making them better. Um, Sam Jones had a, you know, um, did have a, you, you know, he, he had a clutch shot reputation, which, you know, Manu, I'm, I'm sure there are clutch shots he's hit. He doesn't. That's not quite the same that um, he has. Um, either there's that for Sam Jones as well. It's not a negative for Manu. Is it more of just a strong positive for um, Sam Jones? Um, 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I think it's, um, you know, it, it's close. It's, um, it's real close. I would lean towards Sam Jones ahead of Manu, but you know, um, but you know, I, I could consider Manu for that. I just kind of feel like he's, you know, I, I for me, he's beneath Iverson. He's beneath Isaiah. Um, okay. But you know, I, yeah, I, I could be talked into it. You know, I, I, I we'll, we'll, we'll highlight him. We'll, we'll go back. Okay. To him. All right. Um. So next we got Ray Allen, and um, I have him as no, you have him as yes. And he is, he's 28th all-time in win shares, 92nd in win shares for 48, um, 64th in blocks for plus minus, and 25th in value over placement player. Um, and, um, you know, he's obviously, he, he was a both a great, a, a very good leading scorer and just a terrific three-point shooter, you know, probably the greatest volume three-point shooter ever. Um you know the the negatives for me. I one I, I just think like of of all the guards that we have listed, he's kind of I, I think he's even been below Manu for me, and um, he might even be below Reggie Miller for me, which mm-hmm. I've kind of gone back and forth on. But I just kind of feel feel like Reggie like had like a, a better track record in big moments. Not that not that Ray Allen didn't, and obviously he hit the the great Miami Heat. Um, you know the 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 two thousand thirteen finals shot that led them to win game six and eventually win the championship. One of the great clutch shots in history. But I think Reggie Miller would just had like all these times where like you could give him the ball and he could go and hit you that thing. And, and Allen, I, I just feel like didn't excel in that role in the same way. Yeah. He, he's an interesting one for me. I have him on my initial list and he's a guy who I've sort of, I, I take him on and I take him off almost on a daily basis. And it, it can sort of waver with him is, you know, I look at a guy who, as you said, is the greatest volume three point shooter of all time. I mean, that, that, is is pretty well there. I mean, he's historic for that. But then you look at some of the stuff, and you know, I I don't know if he's necessarily the best three point shooter ever. He's just a guy who hit the most. You know, what I, he, he's an interesting one. I, I I'm not going to argue too strongly on him. I think I can sort of be wavered on him a little bit. But he he's one that I think there, there's some historic value to him. Uh, you know, being as good of a three point shooter as he was. But it was done pretty quietly, where a lot of these other guards that we've talked about, I think, have done it a little bit more. You, you know, loudly. And and Reggie Miller, of course, is one. I think he has a better case than Reggie Miller, but. It, it, it's an interesting case regardless. I, I won't argue to death about Ray Allen, but he's one that I think, you know, initially I put on my list, but there's a lot of times where I kind of waver and, and I don't know if I'll be too ardent on him. I think I could, I could possibly uh, move off of him, right. you know, if we get some other guys we talk about here. Well, so. this is a little out of order, but let's, let's go to Reggie Miller next. Cause I, I, yeah. I, I kind of want to look at that, um, that comparison. Where is it that you think that Allen exceeds Miller? Cause all the advanced stats, Miller is stronger. He, he's he's ahead in win shares, win shares for 48, box plus minus, and value replacement player. He's, he's ahead in all those things. He has more All-NBA appearances. Uh, well, actually, no, I take that back. Well, he, he has three, but they're all on the third team. Uh, mm-hmm. Allen had one on the second team, one on the third. Um, he had more seasons in the top 10 in win shares for 48. Um, so... Uh, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that there aren't other reasons to say that Allen would you could be ahead of Reggie. Um, you know, Seth Partnow, you know, we t- talked about it where he kind of felt like Allen was a better defender and just, you know, w- was more versatile where, you know, Reggie was really just, you know, he, you know, he was coming around and and, you know, um, coming off screens and shooting threes, which, you know, obviously right. did that at a incredible high volume. But, you know, his game is more limited, I guess. 
Yeah, and I think one of the other things too is is, is Allen and his you know his era of guards or whatever definitely stands out amongst them a little bit more than I think Reggie does. Um, and, and you know that's it's not a criticism of Reggie because of course he played in an era where, where you know there was a few other <laughs> decent guards yeah. running around or whatever. Yeah. Allen, you know, he's second in win shares amongst guards in his era. He's third in value replacement player. Like he he's right up there. Whereas you know Reggie, you look at some of the stuff. You know, he's eighth in win shares per forty eight amongst guards in his era and stuff. And there's just weird little things here and there that I I, I just don't know about. I mean, I think the defense is is a definitely an important thing too because I think Ray Allen is, is a far better defender than Reggie who I, I don't think is very good at all um, yeah I, it's t- I, I just I think that Ray Allen did more in his era that, than Reggie did amongst his and I, and I guess I, I don't know yeah and that's that's tough because again you know you sort of weigh how do you rank all time because I think you know you look at all time guard and if you look at if you put these two in newer in, in like neutral era uh, things you probably would go with Reggie but when you look at you know sort of how they rose above their competition you know Ray Allen stands out but then you could sort of argue hey was it a downtime for you know shooting guards or a downtime for guards or whatever and you know Miller was in an era where there were a ton of other good guards I I don't know they're they're very close to me I think a lot of the stuff of of Ray Allen's um you know, a lot of the, the rate stat stuff for him helps me out and the historic stuff of being, you know, the, the all-time leader in, in, in threes made or, you know, sure. threes attempted, all that sort of stuff. I mean, there, there's there's some value there for him as well of being just, you know, far and away what we consider the best, you know, volume three-point shooter ever where Miller, you know, was very, very good at it and, all, you know, historic all-time great at it. But, you know, Ray Allen at least topped him in some of those numbers and sort of some of that stuff. But, no, they're, they're, they're very similar cases. And, yeah, I, they're, they're a tough one. I, they're... They're, they're tough. So I would think that probably if you consider his entire career, Reggie Miller was probably the third best shooting guard of, from 88 to 2005 behind um, behind Jordan and Kobe like that. That would be my thought initially. I don't know if there's anyone else there that you would put. What uh, years did you from 1988 to 2005? So, the, so the entirety of Reggie Miller's career. So, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, that, that, that's that's seven, eight years of Kobe, and that's you know a, a good chunk of time for Jordan as well, obviously. So, I would say now I'm not sure necessarily he was ever the second or third best point guard in any of those individual seasons, but overall, that would that's kind of where I would put him mentally in my in my tier. Um, you know, there, there, there could be other guys, you know, Mitch Richmond obviously played during that time. Um, and you know, there are other, um, you know, the other very good shooting guards, but most of them, you know, had a, a few good seasons and didn't necessarily have the, certainly didn't have the longevity that Miller had. I mean, that he had a very right. unusually great longevity and, and Allen has too. For Allen's career, do you think he is like in that level of conversation? Cause I feel like he's behind, like, I feel like he's behind, he's obviously behind Kobe, um, you know, depending on where you put Pierce, because Pierce did both shooting guard and small forwards. So I'm not sure if you... Yeah, I, I wouldn't really count him okay. in that same... Uh, I, you know, I don't know, but... Car- At least I don't count him in that Which body, is fine. Yeah. I mean, Carter McGrady, you know, they're both have kind of the same shooting guard, small forward thing, too. So, I mean, Allen was more of a pure shooting guard. So that's you know, that's kind of a difference as well. Um, I don't know. I, yeah, it's... Um, <laughs> it's, it's tough. <laughs> I don't know... <laughs> I'm not sure if I if there's any more points to that, yeah. but um, you know, I, I just kind of feel like I I think of Miller higher to, between him and his compare contemporaries than I do of Allen, who I think is very close. But I just <laughs> for whatever reason Miller just 
still won't stay above in my head than than Alan his maybe just he you know just maybe watched the documentary too too much of of Miller and it's maybe overrate him but I just kind of feel that way about him mentally even though you know he, no and he's one of my favorite players of yeah, all time actually. yeah right that's yeah. that's another thing too even though I live in Chicago I, I still <laughs> I got the scorn of many of my you have friends a weird yeah I really I really enjoyed Reggie Miller you sure. know sometimes well I didn't really like you know and I, I've mentioned it before and you probably can tell I don't really like Michael Jordan so anytime anybody <laughs> act like a dickhead to Michael Jordan and and you know and which again is is you can't do that you can't show up Michael uh, in any games and that's you know even as a kid I was like this guy's kind of a dickhead and everybody loves him and then like anytime anybody acts like even slightly mean to him everyone goes crazy and oh you can't do this and you can't shove off and you can't you know stick your tongue out or dance around every time you shoot so I was like no screw it so I like yeah Carl Malone and Reggie Miller are two of my favorite all-time favorites so yeah yeah I don't I don't like Michael Jordan so that's yeah uh, <laughs> he's kind of a jerk I don't like jerks you know <laughs> and Reggie Miller is a jerk too don't get me wrong true. but you know yeah that's he's a know. less threatening jerk because he never won a championship so exactly he's not an all-time jerk and, and right. Jordan is yeah so. so much less six so he brought much success to my team but you know I was also too young too to really appreciate yeah, it all that there much, you go. yeah even then I, I he's just Jordan's not my guy that I, I mean of course I'm not he, arguing that he's an all-time great sure. player that's just not the type of people that I enjoy like <laughs> the like the foaming at the mouth to destroy your opponent thing isn't something that I really like it's not admirable to me. Like I, I don't really enjoy that. <laughs> the, so the marketing it didn't work for you then. The, you, the, wish? the marketing didn't work for you then. No, no, no. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. The, <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah. I, I, when I was like eight, it did, and then when I got older, I was like, wait. There we go. You became cynical at some point. So I read the Jordan rules when I was like eleven, and I was like, this guy's <laughs> this guy, kind of a jerk. This guy's mean. <laughs> I don't understand because right, I really like Sam but, Smith. Yeah, like Sam Smith is my guy. I used to read him all the time in, in the Tribune because my dad would always get the Chicago Tribune. And then I, I was like, my dad once he went to the library and I was like, oh, here's like Sam Smith wrote a book about Michael Jordan. It's gonna be great. And I was just like, oh, this guy's icky. Like I don't like this guy anymore. <laughs> there you, go. you know, so that's it. So that that's why I do like Reggie Miller. So maybe I've convinced myself just because of my personal bias that I should get Reggie Miller in there. Okay, but we'll highlight him. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk. he's he's on the. It's still possible for me. So. um all right, next is uh, Paul Pierce, um, 24th all-time in win shares, 62nd in win shares for 48, 40th in box score plus minus, 22nd in value of replacement player. Um, you know, he has a really good case, kind of similar to Reggie Miller in where, like, he has a great case because of the longevity and also has like these clutch playoff moments and these you know these just these great like memorable things and, and had that swagger and had that thing. Um, he has the championship as well and in some yep. you know some finals teams and really elite teams. You know um, the Pacers weren't quite at that level. Pretty much they made one finals obviously. Um, so, um, but I, Pierce like the absolute peak years for Pierce. I don't think we're quite as elite as like, especially McGrady. Um, but the longevity, I, I think, outweighs him en enough yeah. where, you know, we're not considering McGrady. We are considering Pierce. Um, I have him as maybe. You have him as yes. Yeah, I just think there's just a lot there. We talked about him on a recent show. You, you know, fifth uh, amongst his era in win shares, 19th in win shares per 48, fifth in value replacement player, arguably one of the best, you know, shooting guard small forwards ever. Uh, you know, a huge reputation for hitting big shots, you know, in key moments. Um you know, great longevity, as you mentioned. It, it's it's still going, <laughs> to be honest. And he's still, you know, at least a somewhat valuable player. Uh, advanced metrics love him. Y you know, 24th all-time in win shares. You know, 40th all-time in box score plus minus. 22nd all-time in value replacement player. I mean, it's just a super gaudy... Um, you know, resume there. And it, it, it's tough for me to make a case that he doesn't belong. And, and you know, there's going to be guys we're going to talk about that that have, you know, equal or, or, or even, you know, close cases. But to me, Pierce just has a lot of stuff that, that would tick my box in terms of, you know, someone I would put in here. 
you know, the peak, as you said, it, it isn't, you know, there as much as it is for some guys, but man, it, that yeah, the, the longevity and what he was able to do for, you know, how long he was able to do it and how consistent he's been over those years. That's something I value a lot. So for me, he, he was a no doubter for me when I, when I was making my list. So, uh, you know, we'll see, but yeah, to me, I, I really, really, really enjoyed his resume and, and really think he deserves to be in there. Yeah, he is, um, I'm leaning yes for him. I'm not absolutely there yet, but I, I, you know, I'm, I, I'm becoming convinced. Um, it, it, we'll, we'll see how it goes, but he he's up there for me in, in terms of you know where we're uh, where we're at with these guys. So, um, so next we have Adrian Dantley. Um, rates really well as we talked about in our yeah. show in in all the advanced stats. Um, was not part of the initial top fifty list. Um, had seven seasons where he was in the top ten winches for forty eight, including number one in eighty four. Um, five times a top ten in value replacement player. Um, it didn't really have a lot of appearances on the all NBA teams, um, two times on the second team. Um, so, you know, really the case is on his is on the advanced metrics. Um, he, you know, was kind of regarded as not the best guy to play with uh, ever. Um, not a guy who necessarily shared the ball or made his teammates better. Fair or unfair. That's kind of the reputation that he has. Um I have him as maybe you have him as no. I, I'm kind of leaning toward just barely on the edges, but probably not. And pretty much all of these guys, of course, are barely on the edge at this point. But, but yeah, pro- right. probably not going to quite make it. Um, yeah, and that's that's where I was with him. And he was a guy who we had Adam Cribbley, I believe, yes. uh, discuss it. And he was a guy who, you know, as we were doing the podcast, I'm going, oh man, he's got a good resume. And then then he look, and it's just he was really tough. He was one of the final guys that I was sort of wavering on because there's a lot there to really like, and there's but there's just. I, I just don't. I think there's just guys that we're going to talk about, you know, coming up or, or guys we have talked about. I thought I think that just had, you know, just better all around resumes. I mean, Danley has a lot of good stuff and a lot of stuff you should like, but the stuff about, you know, the teammates just like outwardly, you know, not liking him in terms of like, uh, you, you know, stuff of, of teams thinking they played better without him, you know, teammates thinking that as well, uh, you know, sort of his reputation for being sort of a, you know, for better or for worse, a, a ball hog and a guy who, you know, took up a lot of possessions and, and really kind of worried about his stuff versus, you know the team in general but there, there's there's a lot to like though as well so he was he he's one that i i sort of i put no here but i i leaned yes at times but i just think other guys just have resumes and we'll talk about them here in a little bit so i i i had to go no initially but he's more of a victim of just not having enough space because i think he's he's a guy who who's a worthy candidate but just you know when you only can do 50 you know there's going to be guys that are gonna be tough you know outs and, and he's one of them for sure yeah for and if honestly if he'd been on the original list yeah that might have been enough for me to be like okay like okay he should be on this list and he's just like yeah because then you know a little bit more yeah, of his peers you know then right. you know the reputation of his peer but the fact that he's one of these glaring guys that you look at and you go oh geez you know why is he not in the normal list and you read all the quotes like yeah that guy was an asshole he never passed the ball yeah. you know you're like oh geez uh, like he, yeah. he really wasn't liked by his peer and didn't seem like an outwardly like bad dude yeah. you, you know what I mean? like so that's that's where i kind of looked at it a lot too is like you, you know you read stuff about him and they talk about him being you know a, a relatively good guy i mean people seem to outwardly get along with him but that he just you know on, a, on the basketball court they just really hated playing with him like yeah. and to me that that hurts a lot i would rather you just think he's a big jerk than you know but still enjoy playing with him because at least you know you're going to win, you know, get success or, you know, win games with him. It seems to be the other way with Dantley where people sort of respect, you know, the human Dantley. But then on the court, they're like, yeah, I don't know. He kind of, you know, wish he would have just passed. So he, he's a he's a weird one for me. But, yeah, he's he's just on the outs for me, unfortunately. But yeah, he's a, he's a victim of just only having, you know, if we did top 75, he'd be a no doubt. Oh, yeah. Me. Yeah. But, um, he uh, for uh, for seven years in Utah, he averaged a twenty nine point six. 
Uh, 6.2 rebounds, 3.2 assists. Um, <laughs> I, you know, not too bad. Body stuff. No, it's it's good stuff there. Yeah, he um, you know, he really was uh, you know, a pretty great player. I mean, yeah, that's like you know, that that's not that far from like McGrady peak, you know? Like I mean, like right. he he was like kind of, you know, I mean, he maybe didn't do everything that McGrady did, but um, but he was like, you know, production-wise, that's not that far off. So, but yeah, I I I'm going to go ahead and agree that he's not going to be on here. So, we'll we'll go ahead and take him off. Um, Dennis Rodman. Um, I have him as maybe you have him as yes. Um, you know, I think your argument is that you know, during the show in which you discussed him was that he is the best rebounder ever. And if you're the best at something that's so important, then, you know, you put him in, um, which, you know, I have sympathy for. And, you know, we looked at that um, at the, the, the skeptical sports of Benjamin Watson piece that are long series that he wrote about Rodman and how valuable he was and how much he, um, seemed to help, you know, um, his teams win and how much of a difference he really made when he was on the court. And, you know, when with teams for before and after he got there, I mean, it with the Pistons, I guess, to an extent with the Spurs and, and of course, with the Bulls, um, yeah. some of the greatest teams ever. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think he's terrific. I think there are kind of the traditional advanced stats don't love him that much, but, um, and obviously the lack of scoring. I mean, he would be by far the lowest level, um, score oh, yeah. of anybody on this list. I mean, he averaged, um, in the single digits, I mean, uh, 7.3 points, um, for his career. So, uh, so that I would obviously be low, but I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, as I mentioned on the podcast, you know, when, when you talk about one of the guys who's, you know, easily the best rebounder ever. I think we can pretty safely say that, or at least, you know, in the conversation I, of being, think, you know, top three yes. or top two. I mean, you could say, you know, you could be, you know, a, a Moses Malone or, or guys like that. I, I think, you know, by and large, I would probably put him as the best ever. But, uh, you know, going with that of saying, okay, he is the best rebounder ever. And just, I think, a stellar defender, too. I mean, one of the best defenders ever, too. And those are two, you know, important pillars of the game. And it's hard for me to say that a guy who who was the best at, at one, you know, important pillar and maybe one of the best at another pillar, you know, wouldn't be on this list. I mean, for me, that that's real tough to do. I, I, I you know, like a guy like Robin, I got to put on. And and you talk again about the, the success his teams had around him. And that's, you know, I'm not going to attribute that all to him. But I think he's a key cog in, in all those things. I think he makes a lot of those things go. Less so for the Pistons, but I think the Bulls, I, I, I don't think that team is what they are. And I don't think they're one of the best teams ever, like we're saying, without a guy like Rodman there just you know, unselfishly doing whatever he could to get a rebound to defend, you know, defend anybody. I mean, he could defend a point guard, a, a center. It didn't matter. I mean, you couldn't do a pick and roll with him because it wouldn't. I mean, he would just <laughs> he would stifle it immediately. And it, it was so, so insane of, of, of what he could do on the defensive end, what he could do on the rebounding end. And yeah, he's just a guy I it, it's hard for me to take a, a guy who's just so good at s- s- two important pillars of the game and to not put him on that list. I, I just I have trouble doing it. So. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it's a good argument. Um, there are some of the other players, you know, that um, I, that would that I would kind of put ahead of him. Maybe are obviously just do a lot on both sides of the ball, but you know, it it's I, I can see him being in my final choices. It's it's close. It's it's definitely something that you know he's um, <clears throat> he might be in there. We'll we'll have to see. He 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 might be in there. So. Um, next, we have Alvin Hayes, who I have as maybe you have as no. Um, the advanced stats do not like him very much. I mean, 44th all time in win shares, but because he had a longevity, he played exactly 5,000 minutes. One of my favorite stats. Um, 
He's not in the, <laughs> t- in the top 250 winters for 48. He is 229th in boxer plus minus, 151st in value replacement player. Now, the thing about that is that he um, that misses the first five years of his career, which were probably the most productive um, or among the most productive years of his career. So, right, right. Uh, he might he might be better if we incorporate that and, and includes like the last four years of his career when he was objectively not very good. He he. So I I, I think the last two. Those kind of come with a grain of salt a little bit. Um, you know, so he's very weak in those advanced stats, and he didn't, he was another guy kind of like Dantley. Well, I, I think uh, he was a guy people didn't care much for playing with, and he, they didn't like him as a person that much either. I mean, <laughs> um, but he averaged 24 and 14 for a decade. Yeah, that's, that's uh, body stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, you know, he. <laughs> He re, you know, he, he rebounded like a madman. I mean, eighteen point one in seventy four, um, leading the league, led the league a couple times. Um, you know, so um, you know, it, it went down once he um, once he went to Washington and started playing with Unsell, but he was still double digit rebounder until you know age thirty four um, in nineteen eighty. Yeah. So um, now, you know, some of that obviously came at the expense maybe of, you know, do, doing some of the other things. And, and most of his best years, um, came against a league that had been weakened by, you know, expansion and by the, by there being the ABA. So there's, you know, the, the pool of players is different. I think that's something we haven't really talked about extensively, but I think does something that has to be kind of thought about at least a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I, and, and, and to the, to a point, yeah, I think that we do have to talk about it. But I also, I'm not going to punish the guy either. It's really not his fault. You, you know what I mean? Like, so it, it's tough in that respect where you sort of have to look at, hey, you know, there, this is a there's a different context to you know his peak or or these few years that he had. But you know, it's not necessarily his fault, but it's coincidence. So I, you know, where do what do you do? Yeah, it, it's it's an interesting case for sure. He, he's one that. You know, I really like a lot of the stuff he did in the, in the numbers, like you said, the 24 and, and 14, a lot of the the gaudy rebounding numbers, like all that stuff's sort of there. But you look at a guy who, you know, of his peers, you know, he, he stands out in some ways, but but other ways, you know, not really. I mean, 81st amongst his peers in, in true shooting percentage, you know, 75th in, in field goal percentage, and then 40th in win shares per 48, which is another indication that just, you know, he had a lot of the raw gaudy numbers and, and that sort of stuff. But when you look at, you know, efficiency stuff, when you look at sort of advanced metrics, they just do not like him whatsoever. And, and you know, his peers didn't like him as well. That's another one where it's kind of interesting. It's like, well, geez, that's kind of, you, you would at least like your, you know, your teammates <laughs> to enjoy playing with you. But uh, yeah, I, he's an interesting case. Um, you know, I, I lean no, and I, I think I'm fairly confident in no. Just you know, not like a, I, I think he's a, a fun player. I enjoy watching him play. I enjoyed when we watched his game tape. I enjoyed a lot about him. But yeah, he's a guy that I just I think he's just kind of on the outside looking in when you just have to pick 50 guys. And and I just I, I think there's some guys that just have better cases than him. So yeah, do you know what the least number of games he played in a season was? 81. 80. Oh, <laughs> that must have been a bad year. He's like, I'm ready. I'm good. They're like, no, you're, you're not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, wonder what the, I wonder what it was. Do we, do we have any clue what, I don't know what his ailment was? Like, he had to be just like. What, what caused him to miss two games in uh, 76? Yeah. Yeah, it's got to be like decapitated or like, you know, something like similar. <laughs> you know? uh, yeah, it's. Uh, it could just be like a sore ankle. Like, and it had to be like a legit, like, yeah, I wonder. Because like, it couldn't be like a big knee injury because he's obviously, you know, okay. Yeah. Later, I don't know. Was it? Do we know if it was at the end of the year or what time of the year it was? I don't know. Uh, 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 that's uh, uh, that. We need to get the Elvin Hayes. We uh, we'll call into our Elvin Hayes expert sure, right now. And exactly. Can, uh, yes. Chime in. With- uh, um, yeah. I, now those the, the the rankings among peers. So those are, are those among forwards and centers or just centers? 
Do you remember? Uh, I think that's forward and center. Okay. But yeah, which, that, that was, I, I think that would be different if you just looked at centers, which I, I don't know if that's fair or not. But because um, I think more of us is center who kind of played out of position, although, uh, you know, I guess um, they're not, it's not out of position, but just, it, you know, sort of sure. um, I mean, he was six nine two thirty five, which is, you know, for his time was fine size wise. But I don't know. Um, I, I see where you're going. I mean, I, I think he's probably going to be behind enough guys um, where I'm going to have to leave him out. But I, I I'm not going to feel great about it. I'll, I'll put it that way. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. Yeah. So, um, and um, so next is Dave Cowens, who I have as maybe you have as no. Um, he is, he has an MVP, otherwise, we talked about maybe not the best MVP uh, award ever given. Um, 118th in win shares, 136th in win shares for 48, 51st in box for plus minus, 121st in value of replacement player. Another guy where the last two miss a, a decent chunk of his career when he may have been at his best, so he might rank better among yeah. those had it counted, you know, earlier, but it didn't come until 74. So, um, but he did, he managed to have three top 10 win share seasons, three top 10, top 10 seasons in box for plus minus and value replacement player. And I'm definitely confident he would have had more of those. Oh, certainly. Yeah had you know that countered a couple years earlier so i mean really known for his, his strong defense and rebounding despite his lack of size and leading some really good celtics teams um including two championships in the in the mid-70s so um again you know there's just so many big men that were you know going to be considering from here where he's probably going to be behind them but um he, he also known just for being a guy who was just all over the floor and just like gave like extra incredible hustle that was like you know um you know beyond almost uh you know almost superhuman as far as the effort that he gave yeah and and counts is a guy who who i i like his resume a lot and he's just a guy i, I think you sort of mentioned a little bit there's just a lot of other big men and there's you know a few guys we're going to talk about here pretty soon that that i kind of put over him and, and he's just a victim of just so many players on here and especially so many big men that you sort of compare him to a lot of the guys we're looking at and and I just I, I couldn't he, he's a tough one to leave off but I just I, I couldn't put him on just there's just there's just too many other guys that I think had better cases that we'll talk about here in a little bit but uh definitely a good case and definitely a guy who deserves you know at least inclusion in this you know discussion here because he's a guy who probably doesn't get an you know maybe doesn't get enough credit for what he really did and how good he was but yeah for me I I, I unfortunately have to leave him off the list yeah um so next is Willis Reed, who I have I had him as yes, then I switched to maybe, and I I don't ever I don't feel good <laughs> about this at all. You have him at, as no. Um he won an MVP, uh one all NBA first team, four second team, and one time on the all defensive first team. You know, the thing for him is he had five great seasons. He's obviously one of the best remembered players of his time, great rebounding, defense, and leadership, and average twenty one and fourteen for his peak. But his peak is relatively short. He was, you know, battered by injuries after that and, um, you know, didn't have just longevity wise. He just doesn't have much. Um, so does a lack of longevity, you know, um, make up for the for the for the peak, which is a very, very good peak, but maybe not like an absolute like elite, you know, great all timer type peak. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing with him and, and we discussed it when we we you know, briefly talked about him at the beginning of this is that, you know, he just never led in any stats, like any statistical category. He doesn't show, he doesn't show up in like all time lists, you know, amongst his peers, you know, he's, he's, you know, seventh in rebound per game, you know, seventh in win shares per 48, you know, that's, it, it's fine. It's okay. But I mean, when we're talking about top 50 all time greats, like I, I just don't know if he is that. And he's, you know, a, a very, you know, influential and very significant player for, you know, you know, 
a lot of what he did. I mean, unfortunately, his biggest influential game, uh, he probably one of his worst games ever. But, you know, that that's fine. It, it is what it is. You know, it's, it's a narrative there and all that stuff. But, uh, yeah, for me, I just there's just not I, I just don't know if he has a lot there. Uh, to go with. I mean, there, there's there's good aspects of them for sure. There, there's, you know, a, a high peak, but yeah, longevity hurts and just not being at least doesn't seem like he's head and shoulders above his peers at any point. And that for me, it, it, it's hard to do that then to, to say you're a top 50 at any point because it's just I, I, I just don't know. Yeah, he's he's a weird one, but I, I'm pretty safely in the no camp for him. OK, yeah. Um, just uh, the the Bill Simmons rankings had him at 30th slam, had him at 32nd and Hoops Critic had him at 36. So all right, kind of around the same uh, level. Um which is interesting. I, you know, um, and Curtis Harris, he gave us a list when we were doing shows with him. He's also on there, um, you know, as well. He didn't rank his. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I just I feel bad about not having Willis Street in my list. Like, I feel like there's <laughs> we just, send him a, we'll send him a no, gift basket. Not, wow, not for a... him. I just kind of feel oh, like okay. I'm doing something wrong in basketball history if I don't include him on the list. Like, I, I intellectually completely get the reasons why we would leave him mm-hmm. off. I just feel like... That's tough. Yeah, there's some guys, and that's why I feel like sort of with Iverson as well. And that might be, you know, when I was raised, and you know what, what it, it's just a guy. I feel weird, you know, telling the story of a basketball history through this top fifty. Maybe we're trying to, maybe we're overthinking this. I know it's it's shocking forty episodes in that we're possibly <laughs> overthinking this top fifty list, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, he, he's 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 one I have solidly a no, but but I'm with you. He's a weird one to leave off when you're talking about the history of the game because he's all right, he's significant. All right. well, as long it. as we both feel uncomfortable about it, I, I'm, <laughs> well, I'll send him a gift. Glad. Um, Edible arrangements. He'll. I I'll do it now. There we go. You, you do that. Get get in Louisiana somewhere. You know, we're reaching. So <laughs> Yeah, do we know do we have his address? We I, we'll we'll, we'll I'll let you know off air. I don't want to okay, reveal right, it to, to our many listeners who might uh, well whatever. Do, might do, be stalking his house if we gave it out. So <laughs> all right. Next is uh Pau Gasol, who I have as no, you have as yes. Um he the advanced stats are strong for him. Forty second in wind shares, fifty fifth in wind shares are forty eight, forty second box show plus minus. 30 in value of replacement uh, player. Um, so you you want him on here. You yeah. put, make your argument. Yeah, I think, you know, other, other things as well. You talk about two all-NBA second teams. Uh, of course, you know, playing in a league with, with many other great big men at his time. I think that's pretty impressive. Uh, two all-NBA third teams as well uh, that go with it. Uh, you know, three times in the top 10 in win shares per 48. Three times in the top 10 in uh, value replacement player. Uh, you know, the second best player in a key cog on two NBA title teams. I think he was a big part of, of those Lakers. I, I, I think they don't I, – I, I'm very confident they don't win those titles without him. You know, being, you know, as significant of a player as he was. And I think he's it's a little underrated how significant he was for those title teams as well. I mean, obviously, Kobe is a fantastic player and those were really good teams. But I think Gasol was just such an important part of those two teams. And I think those are are significant teams. Uh, Remarkable consistency as well throughout his 15 years. I mean, almost from the moment he jumped into the league. He's been basically this guy and is still this guy as well. I mean, he's probably got a few more years of being a consistently good player, and I think that that's that's impressive as well. Uh, amongst his peers, you know, this is, you know, forwards and centers, uh, second in win shares per 48, second in value replacement player, uh, sixth in field goal percentage, fifth in assists per game, uh, or sorry, uh, assists per 36, which I think is very important, 11th in rebounds per 36, and then sixth in points uh, per 36. So you look at a guy who just all across the, the the board, you know, in terms of points, assists, rebounds, he's 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 there. He's you know he's a just a, a, a with his peers and running you know near the top of them, top five, all that sort of stuff. It's it's to me it's significant. And and, and you look at a guy, um, you can make cases for a few of the guys we're going to talk about here. But when you look at a guy like a Willis Reed, I think he he just has more on that resume than I think a Willis Reed does. Sure, he doesn't have you know maybe the legend status that Willis Reed has. 
you know, but is that fair or not? I mean, I think a lot of, you know, I've argued it before. I think a lot of the legend status of Willis Reed is, you know, a, largely because of where he played. And that's not to say he wasn't a great player, but, you know, if he's doing that in Cincinnati, I, I you know, I don't know if, if, if he's coming out, you know, in the, in the game seven in Cincinnati. I don't think that many people, you know, it's that big of a deal. I don't think that many books are written about the, uh, you know, the Cincinnati Royals. They are, uh, you know, about the New York Knicks having a great era. But no, Paul Gasol is a guy who's just, I think it, there's just a lot there to like. And I think the, the consistency, I think now you can sort of say the longevity. It's been, you know, you know, 15 years now that he's been, you know, basically this player and been, you know, basically pretty good. And I just think amongst his peers, he, he's he's stood out. And I don't think there's many arguments uh, against him, to be honest, and instead of just, you know, gaudy stuff or maybe just not being, you know, the top guy on, on a really successful team. He never was that, but he was the top guy in Memphis for uh, a, a long time. And, and, you know, they didn't have great seasons, but I think it was a big part in that team becoming something when they were just absolutely, absolutely nothing. And, and you know, once he came there, it took a few years, but they became at least, you know, a, a, a team that could, you know, do something and then became, you know, a playoff team, you know, after he, he left and largely because a lot of the pieces they got back for him. But yeah, I, I, he's one that I just think, you know, advanced stats wise is there consistency wise is there. And I just think amongst his peers, he, he stands out. So, you know, maybe not the flashiest pick of a top 50, but I think a guy who, who definitely deserves to be up there. Yeah. I, you know, I guess if you look at his peak seasons, they are, he, he, he's never really been the MVP conversation, but you compare him, his peak seasons to Willis Reed's peak seasons and they're, you know, it's not bad. I mean, yep. reads were a bit better, but it's it's not that far off. And um, and Gasol has more really productive seasons. So, uh, you know, yeah, I I kind of now I think you've convinced me that I would put Gasol ahead of Reed. I'm not sure I would definitely put um, Gasol in still, but I definitely I I think okay now I'm kind of seeing the case for him against um, Reed. What about against Cowens? Yeah, that's an interesting one. Um, I would put him over Collins, I think, just because a lot of the the, the statistically, I, I think I probably would. But yeah, Collins has a, has a good case. I, I think those two are, are are close than we might think. Yeah, um, I mean, I, Collins didn't have, you know, his career is relatively short as well. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm. Uh, yeah, I guess Powell's like 5,000 more minutes in his career so far. Yeah, I really like Powell's consistency. I think people don't really, you know, or our longevity as well. I mean, I think people sort of take for granted this guy. You know, it's been, what, since 2001 that he's been in the league. And, right. And it's still, I mean, pretty much has been consistent all those years and has been, you know, outside of a few years of the little injuries. I mean, you know, especially that last Lakers year or the second to last Lakers year, rather. Otherwise, I mean, everything's kind of been there for him and it, it's it's – I've really enjoyed his career, and I think it's just it's a significantly career. It's a long career, and I think he's been very good at it, albeit not a superstar at any point. So I guess that's where we sort of can make a case for him because he never – I don't think anybody ever thought that this guy was a superstar. But then again, you know, is that fair? Because I think, you know, numbers-wise, he's, he's right up there. But, yeah, I, I get it from in terms of like an influence standpoint and that sort of stuff. I don't think anybody's ever thought of him as like a top-five player in the league or, you know, a superstar or the key cog in a, in a team that's going to win a title. But – you know, numbers wise, he, he he's put up stuff and he's been a productive member of teams that have been very, very good. So I I, I don't know. Yeah, he, he's he's got a really good resume to me. Yeah. It, yeah, I, I, I'm 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 leaning toward more toward your um, point of view, but we'll, we'll just kind of have to see how the numbers shake out. Um, so next is Bob Lanier, who um, is uh, another guy with a really strong advanced uh, stats uh, case. And I, I think him versus the guy who follows him, I think that'll be kind of an interesting comparison. But yes, yeah. Uh, 49th all time in win shares, 48th in win shares are 48, um, 18th in box row plus minus, which does not include uh, like four, probably the best portion of his career is first four or five years. 
47th in value of replacement. Um, he had five seasons in the top 10 in winters for 48 um, and four top 10 value of replacement player. Again, he would have probably had almost certainly had more had that stat just been available a few years before. Um, and, you know, to me, um, you know, for, for me, I think both Gasol and uh, the guy we're talking about afterward, Patrick Ewing, we can kind of go ahead and just kind of maybe go through him a little bit. Um, those cases are really similar. And we talked about during the linear episode, he and Ewing just seemed to have like their games were pretty similar too, or at least their, maybe not their games, but their skills were were pretty similar and their strengths and weaknesses are pretty similar. Yeah, I, I think I guess we can talk about Patrick Ewing because these were two that when I was sort of going through my list and looking at two guys and, and I think you put these two back to back for a reason or whatever. And it was good because I I went linear and I said, yeah, no, I, I think Lanier's out. And then I went to, you know, Ewing. And I said, yeah, I think Ewing's in. And then I went back and I yeah, actually, I don't know. And then they're they're very interesting cases. I it's almost a toss up between the two for me because Lanier's a guy who, um, you know, I think really, really when we did the show for him, I, I got a better appreciation for him. Uh, Ewing as well. I think Ewing also, you know, did probably better than I thought as well. But yeah, they, they have a really, really similar case, really good case um, for both of them. I don't know. I guess it for me, it's a lot of. I, I yeah, I don't know. Between those two, where where do you lean? Maybe because I'm I'm I, I put no on Lanier and yes on Ewing. But I you know looking at it and you know a little bit earlier today, I kind of went back and I went I don't know. I I almost could change on that. They're very 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 similar. But these two, I, I it's going to be one or the other. I think for me. Yeah. Um. So Ewing played. He did play a lot more. I mean, he played four thousand minutes. Lanier played 32,000 minutes. I mean, we, you know, that, that's a that's a decent difference. Um, Lanier obviously struggled with the injuries later on in his career, as we talked about. Um, you know, his teams didn't really win during his prime where um, um, Ewing's did. The Knicks obviously made the finals and, you know, almost won a championship. Um, but, I mean, I don't know. Um, Ewing is the 39th all-time in win shares, and Lanier is 49th, despite that minutes disparity. Um, and, you know, the, the the per 48 stuff, Lanier is a lot stronger. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, it, it's... I would probably lean Ewing, but it is, it is so incredibly close. And if you're comparing yeah. Lanier and Gasol, I'm not sure, you know? Because I would, I, would, I would definitely... I mean, I guess... By process of elimination, if I'm putting Ewing ahead of Gasol, then I guess I would put Lanier ahead of Gasol. But I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's tough for those three cases are all sort of difficult for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think Ewing has a, a, a great resume. I think maybe an underrated resume as well, probably because of the era he played in and sort of you know the success that that you know a lot of guys around him. Yeah, he's just Jordan, he's behind. Least. You know, he's like fourth on that list of like big men of like when he played or fourth or fifth or whatever. Yeah, you know, exactly. he'd be behind Lajuan, behind David Robinson, and behind Jack. Right. Yeah, and, and yeah. those guys too. But you know, it, it, it's tough because you look at these like legendary, no doubt, all time great, you know, big men or whatever, and they look at Ewing, who who probably you know could make a, a reasonable case for being in that same class. I think he's, you know, obviously a little step below those guys, but you know, you know, five times in the top 10 and win shares six times in the top 10 and PER, you know, one time in the top of, you know, box score plus minus, you know, three times in the top 10, you know, value replace the player, just a really, really good all around player that probably I, I, 
He's. A, I mean, the rebounding is 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 a little. I mean, he's a guy who you would assume is is you know an all time legendary rebounder. Then you look at some numbers. You know, you look at rebound percentage and that sort of stuff, and he just doesn't grade out all that well. Uh, field goal percentage isn't quite there either in terms of that stuff. Some of the you know efficiency uh, field goal stuff isn't quite there. But yeah, I mean, in terms of raw stats, he's there. But Lanier, I mean, yeah, he's got a good case. Other than you know not. It doesn't have a whole ton of like all NBA and all defensive yeah, recognition. Yeah, he didn't have any I mean, of that. Yes, that's a weird. I guess yeah, that was you know, crap. which is very very odd because you look at Ewing, who's a guy who I would assume would get kind of passed up by a lot of the guys, but then you look and you know he's he's one time on the All NBA first team, you know, six times, which is impressive as hell on the All NBA second team, and then three times in the All Defensive uh, second team. So you look at you know Ewing as a guy who I would sort of assume would get passed up by his peers more, but he shows up in more of those all time lists. Where Lanier is a guy who I think sort of stood a little bit over his peers in some ways, but then doesn't get those, the, you know, a lot of that hardware that we talk about. So it's a very interesting one. I mean, perception-wise, I, I I don't know. I think perception-wise, you kind of go with a Ewing, but when you really, really get down to it, I mean, Lanier's got a very, very, very good case. Yeah, yeah. Solve anything, so <laughs> leaving it up to you. All I don't right. know. Um, make this for me. All right, so, okay, so we, we've we've decided that Kuzi and Isaiah are in, correct? Um, yes. Okay. I will... I will I will knock Allen Iverson out and put uh, Isaiah in, I believe. Oh, okay. Um, okay. So you're, are you putting, are you putting Ray Allen ahead of Iverson? Um, oh God, I should probably look at my list a little bit more here and see. Oh boy. Okay. Um, but, 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 but let's, man, I don't know if I'm ready to do this right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, we, we can table see. it. We don't. We're not required to absolutely have our fin- have our finals. Yeah, let, moment, let's but. wait. I, let me let me think on it a little bit. Okay. I, I think I have my list, but I don't want to like think as I'm talking here on the, this podcast. Uh, that's but that's fair. We don't need to do that. That wouldn't be very entertaining. Okay. I take a while to 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 come to a final decision on this yeah. sort of stuff. Like uh, I do the same thing at the grocery store. Like cereal <laughs> takes me twenty minutes there to figure you go. out. Well, I, remind <laughs> me never to, to shop. No, don't put me. I'm just always like <laughs> I don't know. Like. <laughs> And then I see a sale, and I'm like, oh, but the, uh, yeah, it's just it's not good. Yeah. So. All right. Bad. Well, that, that's that's fair. So we'll you know we'll reveal reveal the the seven of the fifteen that we've chosen here, as well as the um, other forty three um, players in our next episode. Uh, that'll be the the finale of our uh, top fifty uh, series. So it's a. Uh, it's been quite a ride, Rich. I've uh, I've enjoyed it. Thank it you, has, yes. thank you for uh, putting so much work into this, and uh, it, it it's been a lot of fun and a, a lot of work. I'm looking forward to uh, getting back to a little bit le- of a less intensive schedule as the NBA season begins. We can just sort of enjoy basketball. We'll do our show, but it won't necessarily. Uh, uh, it'll be nice to not have it so be focused for a while. I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you said hard work on my end. And I, I really think, and, I, and people don't probably know the back end work that has gone through this. You have done way more than me on the, on, in terms of this, in terms of, uh, you know, collecting this stuff, getting guests, you know, doing a lot of the data, doing a lot of the back end stuff, you know, getting the notes together. I've had just an insanely busy summer and I haven't had the chance to devote, you know, nearly as much as you have. So I think, you know, you, know, you said I, I did a lot of hard work. I, I basically don't think I did anything <laughs> compared to what you did for this project. So, no, it's, it's definitely, I mean, for people that don't know, I mean, Jason has really put this project project you know like isaiah thomas on his back and uh <laughs> is more efficiently uh you know delivering here but uh yeah it, it's you did a ton of work here so no it's it's definitely a testament to, to to your work more so than mine i mean i've i've kind of just been along for the ride and you know i've enjoyed the hell out of it but no you you've done a lot a lot of the lip, you know the heavy lifting here so 
for people that don't know, I mean, it, it, a lot of it has been on you. So I do think you deserve a lot, a lot of the credit for, for, you know, basically what we did here. And it's a great series. I think it's a lot. It's, it's, I think what we're, we're going to kind of consider something that put us on the map. I think a lot of people, you know, I could just tell from the, the interactions we have on Twitter in terms of people, the followers we have people talking, I think a lot of people have sort of discovered us through this process and that's good. And that's one of the things we kind of wanted to accomplish with this project. So I'm, I'm happy to see that. And no, but, but definitely a lot of credit has to go to you. Well, thank you, Richard. Though I, you've done quite a bit as well. And I, but I appreciate that you appreciate my efforts and um, I hope the listeners appreciate that we've, you know, whether they agree with our conclusion or have, you know, necessarily agree with all of our thought processes, I hope they appreciate that, you know, we've been trying to think of these ideas and kind of consider these ideas of, you know, of, um, you know, what's important and what's valuable because all these things are so nebulous in basketball. It's just so hard to make these decisions. I I knew that going in, but I have extra appreciation for how difficult it is now. So, um, so I, I hope that they at least appreciate that we're, we're coming from on it and that we've just had a lot of fun talking about uh, past players and yeah. um, that the, the top 50 itself is, you know, it's a fine destination, but it's more been about the journey than, uh, than the destination. So, um, yeah, so we'll be back with that uh, very soon. Actually, you know, it, um, if, if there's any um, any feedback that anyone wants to, we're going to put a little bit of space between uh, this show and the final episode. So um, if anyone wants to uh, get, get in touch with us, they can uh, either um, go to overandbacknba.com and register for our forums where we're having discussion on all these players. We'll have a thread just for you know, f- f- final thoughts uh, where you can kind of give some feedback. Um, it'll be in a prominent place where you'll be able to find it there um, on uh, also at harborprocessing.com on the on the show post, um, on Twitter or Facebook at, uh, at Over and Back NBA. Um, and uh, also, in addition to that, you can uh, find both our show and all the great shows on the Hardwood Paroxysm Network on uh, iTunes. We'd appreciate a uh, rating and review, especially if you've loved the Top 50 series. We'd love... Uh, that uh, helps people uh, learn more about the show and be able to find us more easily and spreads the word. So if you're uh, if you've been into this and you've uh, you know if you like what we've done, you know a, a small way you can pay us back, quote unquote, would be to uh, leave a review on iTunes. We would yes, I greatly appreciate that. So, uh, Rich, anything else? I think that's it. All right, guys. Well, thanks a lot, and until next time, we'll see you later. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.